0: Adam, welcome to the Uncovering Elite Performers podcast. Thanks for coming on.
1: Appreciate the opportunity to chat, John-Joe. Always a pleasure.
0: So VP Global Sales, where does this podcast find you today?
1: I am sitting in a uh, sunny and ever so slightly cold Vancouver in uh, in Canada, attending uh, an innovation summit for uh, for general contractors. So it's it's a lot of fun.
0: So talk us through the story of hammertech in the us and the uk and australia of course so far what does that look like now
1: uh a lot a lot different from even when we started talking so i've uh i guess in the course of the last six years we've gone from um you know a 20 person company in in in, in melbourne just kind of uh trying to put our name out there we're now working with you know over 80 percent of the top 100 contractors in australia so really a really good um hold on the market in in uh in uh in in australia which is which is really pleasing um and we're continuing to innovate for that market as well you know we're not getting complacent we want to i always say you know why can't you have a monopoly right why can't we go for 100 out of the 100 builders if the product's good enough and, and consistently delivering value then um you know i I still i thought it five years ago i think it now every job site needs HammerTech. so um you know and we've been taking that mantra around the world uh especially in the last couple of years so U.S. Is, uh, is looking good. We kind of doubled our client count in the last 12 months. Um, so, yeah, we've got a real focus on logo acquisition. You know, as 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 a, I guess, as a leader, I, I know the product quite well, so I can make decisions based on, um, you know, let's just get HammerTech on a job site with as little friction as possible. So we go for logo acquisition. We want to give people a flavor of HammerTech, get on a couple of projects. And, and we're in a lucky position where the, the solution can just prove can can you know can prove itself out and then from our side it's it's really deal management and and uh, and illustrating a clear path to to enterprise agreements so 80 percent of the top 100 in Australia now
0: in the US and the UK we see more commonly businesses from the US set up in Australia expand a land expand right how difficult is it to go the other way and australian software business to be breaking into the u.s market
1: definitely uh not something you see every day i think um you know uh any company trying to go into the u.s um it's it's difficult yeah alone for you know for an australian one it's some of the things you see are just the size of the market you know it's it sounds so obvious but until you're you're there um you don't realize just you know how broad the market is the the way that you'll do business or conduct a meeting in texas will be different to seattle or in georgia so you, you almost treat every state like a like a different country um they'll receive your product differently they'll receive your pitch differently um and uh, you know and the great thing about a market like australia is word travels very quickly it's very easy to to kind of get that flywheel in motion the us it, it obviously takes a lot more time if you've got a company in connecticut and you're trying to pitch a company in in oregon well, they're not really going to know each other. They can't be, you know, networking at an industry event just saying, oh, yeah, we use HammerTech is great. So connecting the dots becomes a lot harder. And there's such a tight knit industry like construction that is so essential to, um, you know, to build your brand and to and to get the and to get the uh, to get the the logos and your and your, uh, you know, your, your diehard clients on board.
0: So you're almost going you're starting with a direct sales motion. Almost at scratch for every state that you go into, really.
1: Yeah, pr- pretty much. It's 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 ground up, right? And then once we, you know, once we get a bit of a a foothold in a in a region, we really look to double down on that. So you know, we you know, we focus a lot, say, on on Texas, for example. We have someone just based in Texas to look after that state um, and just to start building the network. And we've already seen, you know, a lot of the green shoots appearing and the benefits of just having, you know, a focus on one or two states. When we, when we do our territory plans here in the US, for example, one of the questions I always ask, which probably drives my A's crazy because they've got large territories is, you know, I just want to hear how you're going to make your number from three cities, right? I don't care if you've got seven, eight states. Um, I want to hear what your strategy is for three cities. You should be able to, you know, really be able to execute and find the pipeline find the groundswell. Within three cities within within your territory. So it gets everyone thinking really about how do we build that community? How do we build the reputation? How do we get how do we get the conversation started in that area and, and become a presence?
0: And bearing in mind the different sales motion, the different buyer profile and experience, do you do you tend to coach your US reps perhaps a little differently to the way you coach your Australian reps?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um you know, I think it's is clear from I guess some of the research I've done is that like a one-size-fits-all approach to leadership never like doesn't doesn't really work. So you always have to kind of adapt your style depending on the rep and then depending on the market as well. There's always kind of like, you know, there's there's always um uh variables in in all these circumstances. So I think Absolutely, and within we, we deal with the, our team in Australia. They do a fantastic job, and they're, you know, they're really, you know, if I'm calling in Australia, I'm saying, hey, it's 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 Adam from HammerTech, right? And it's construction. They're gonna know who HammerTech are. Um, if you're in the US and they've never heard of you before, and they might say, hey, but Hammer Time, it's a completely different, a completely different discipline, right? You know, it's like when I was at BDR, I was calling for Oracle, and so it's kind of easy for me. Um, you know, it was probably the twentieth call from Oracle they had in that day. Uh, and then when I was doing business development for HammerTech in Australia, when we were getting started. I had the same thing. It was very difficult to, you know, I, one of my first questions to get a prospect to just kind of talk was, "Hey, have you have you heard of HammerTech yet?" Right? Because it would also give me a gauge, yes or no, how I was going to take that call. So it's definitely uh, as we're as we're hit different levels of maturity in different markets, coaching and and then enabling reps in different in different disciplines is 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 all part of it.
0: Is there some part of that playbook from the early days of the Australian growth that are you can translate to the US reps?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the most important things, especially from a motivation standpoint, is the fact that, you know, there is heavy lifting to do in every market you enter, but you've got people on the team, you know, I'm based in the US, you've got people on the team who've done the hard yards before and you know there's we look at hammer Tech in australia and it looks so easy now on the surface right and you and me know sales is never easy um but if you're in one market looking at you know someone uh you know the deal velocity we have there for example or maybe there's fewer meetings or maybe the demos that you do a one demo close or something like that um you know you, you can look on and just be and, and wonder if that's ever going to happen for you but we've started to see shorter sales cycles in the us and what's prop that that's been supported by the constant narrative of, hey you know we've got our strategy right we know the product's really good for this market keep doing what we're doing and those results are going to come so i think a lot of the a lot of the experience of, of being on that journey in australia has been important um it's and it's proving so in you know in the uk as well as we expand into the uk we put one of our top performers over to london as part of the landing party um And it's it's reassuring knowing that, well, you know, we've we've been on this journey before. It's a new market. It's new people. It's new construction companies. But the, you know, the consistent that we have is our product. And that's the most powerful thing.
0: The UK new market again. How close is the UK in comparison to Australia versus the US?
1: Um, I think culturally a little bit more aligned um we I feel that we've had to I feel I feel I don't know whether we've had to adapt the product we've certainly been a lot more prepared we did a lot of due diligence going into the market so I think the changes and localizations we had to make to the product just through benefit of experience after going into the U.S and, and learning um I think we were a lot more prepared so it's it's felt a lot the product team at work might not like me saying this it's felt a lot uh more frictionless going into the UK and having a really good idea of what would be needed to to get the product stood up as a you know as, as a local offering rather than an Australian offering in a in a in a foreign market.
0: You've gone into these regions first on ground, built a business largely from scratch. We've talked about a sales motion and the buyer experience. What are some of the things that somebody wouldn't think about? What's the checklist that you really need to go and get in place to even think about going and talking to a customer and getting products in front of people?
1: You know, it's um the thing that I found about it, and this is one of the reasons why we've been big on pushing people from Australia over to the far reaches. I think um it's it's all about the getting getting the culture and enthusiasm for Hamatech transferred into these new markets. One of the things that I found when I was coming out to the US before I moved here, um, I was kind of coming out for a month at a time, um, and I found that um a lot of the feedback I got from clients when we go to meetings, especially in person and in competitive situations, one of the things that would set us apart was um, they the customers on several occasions would just go, we can really feel your energy and enthusiasm for what you do when we're in the room. Yeah, like You stand out from the competition because your team, they just live and breathe what HammerTech all about. And that's not something you can hire some great talent, but how do you make them care and really, just connect with your business and just live and breathe it that way. So, I think one thing that I think is just incredibly important when you're pushing out landing parties to new markets is is get your some of your more experienced people, whether they're just coming over on an international travel, whether we can convince them to to be boots on ground, getting people from you know the uh, some of the original or some of the OGs right into these new territories and telling the story has made a massive difference it's definitely been the reason we've won we we won some clients um you know we've actually taken some some of our initial um some of some of our initial users and actually turned them into 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 champions of Hamatech too which 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 really helps um but i definitely say uh, it's not as easy as just picking someone and saying hey you know now you're now you're an evangelist for Hamatech go and go and uh, go and sell it because i think clients really resonate with someone who's been on the journey and and, and really just you know can tell the story and you're traveling all the time right is that one of the key
0: principles around why you do you are in the US and back to Australia so often because you you really feel you need to be on the ground to build that culture
1: yeah I think so I think I, I work to the team out here as well you know we've got a lot of people who join hammertech and they see the journey they see the vision and it's really I think it's really important to To lead by example, I think you know a lot of the times I've, I've, um, and you live in, but you live in Melbourne too, so you know how you know how nice Melbourne is, um, and you know it's great living in living in the United States, but I, I sometimes will go back and say, well, look, you know, um, you know, I wouldn't be here if I didn't one hundred percent believe in our ability to to absolutely dominate as a safety platform in the United States. That's that's why I'm here. I'm not here for a holiday. I'm not here to sit on Huntington Beach and sun up. I'm here to really, you know, uh just get the best people excited about Hamatech to go and tell the best construction companies to to use HammerTech. And um yeah, I mean travel's part of it. We do a lot of travel because we've also found, and this might be something else that people don't necessarily associate with with the US market, um, you know, our close rates shorten quite significantly once we actually meet someone in person and, and shake their hands. So there's a lot of emphasis put on in-person interaction here in here in the US. And so we really want to make sure when we get a client, you know, through the sales cycle and we're and we're demonstrating, illustrating the, the value is gonna gonna bring, that we also want to go and see them and, and and show them who we are as people as well because we find that goes that goes a long way. It sounds like leading from the front is um a key part of the
0: instilling that culture. Is it is it something you've thought about as to how you could you know is it something you could boil down to um, a phrase or is it, is it really about stripping it back and just being in there and people learning from others with, within the business? Is it, is it kind of an osmosis thing or is it something that you go and you go and think about and talk about?
1: Yeah, it's a good, it's a, it's a good question. I think, um, you know, a lot of it is about just being, being a self-starter still, there's still, um, you know, I mean, we, we, nothing precludes any of our team going in and logging into hammer Tech and doing, configuring their own environments and, and projects. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you have that initiative and you're curious, you're genuinely curious about, you know, construction and the, and the solution and, and you're not, you know, you're not here to make a quick, a quick buck. I think, um, you know, that's really some of the, some of the behaviors that you, some of the behaviors that you need.
0: Okay.
1: <clears throat> um The
0: the next thing we wanted to talk about is yourself. Um, You've obviously you're obviously in a very demanding role. Five and a half years as VP Global Sales had plenty of success to date. uh, Prior to that, Procore and Oracle. What do I need to know about your own foundations or your upbringing that's led you to such a performance driven pursuit, such as the one you're in?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. I guess for me, like like, I. I've just always wanted to be in in business, right? I think a lot of people sit in sales, and we talk about elite performers, and you probably see it yourself recruiting a lot of a lot of salespeople say they ended up in sales because that was the only thing they could do, right? I think I'm the exact opposite of that. I think I ended up in sales because it was what I'm just what I was what I was kind of made for, right? Like, so I I was very fortunate to uh, have an upbringing in a like a no like a no pressure upbringing. the 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 bargain was that you know. There was no expectation on you. You follow your passions. You do what you what makes you what makes you happy. But you've got to apply yourself and work hard at it, right? So that was my the rule of my upbringing. So that lack of downward pressure, which you you probably don't appreciate at the time, you know, is was was really invaluable because you know know, I've always had a passion for business. Always loved traveling and and been curious about different cultures. And then anyone who knows me knows I'm hyper competitive too, right? So when you roll those um, when you roll those kind of Kind of, uh, I guess, uh, behaviors all in one. I probably couldn't carve out, uh, you know, a better a better role for myself at the moment than 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 to be here at HammerTech. Yeah, great. So, so you,
0: you talk about that low-pressure environment. You're obviously a self-starter. <clears throat> what did that look like then? In in was it that your environment was it was quite hands-off, and because you were such a self-starter, you kind of managed yourself, or was it was there an element of your parents? Saying okay, you're doing this now. You got to really work hard at it, and you need to stick to this. Did did you need that? Did they do that, or was it completely self self driven?
1: Um, it was a bit of a mix, right? So, uh, absolutely the 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 rule was you had to work, you had to graft, and you had to work hard, right? You know, um, there's you, there's always going to be jobs for people who are hard workers. You know, recessions and all this and job cuts. There, there's there, there's always going to be there's always going to be room for someone who can pick up a phone, make a phone call and find business is, is, is the way I, is the way I see it in, in a sales sense. So, you know, for me, um, whatever, whatever it was for me and, and my siblings, whatever it was, it was just work hard, work hard at it and be, and be committed. And it doesn't matter what, and it doesn't matter what that is. So, um, you know, for example, so my brother's now, um, uh, an airline pilot, right. And he spent, he spent his childhood on flight simulators. So he really doubled down and took that pretty, he took that pretty seriously. But, um, you know, we never, or my parents never said, oh, you know, get off the flight simulator. It's a pipe dream, right? Um, so I think, uh, you know, whilst, you know, I given the choice, if it was a coin toss, I probably would have rather played for Manchester United. I'd probably get in the team these days. But, uh, so wouldn't, wouldn't, sales isn't my, my, my childhood dream, but it's, it's definitely like what, it's the embodiment of, I guess, you know, the passions that I, that I have and, and what I, and what I really like to do. I think, um, it kind of like, Reversed a little bit during my during my studies, especially in high school. I think I think my parents were more uh, more like, "Hey, you know, you don't have to work so hard. Maybe just chill out a little bit." Because I was pretty 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 driven and motivated to to um to do as to do as well as I could for sure. What's behind that motivation? The
0: you mentioned culturally, hard work was apparent, but there's a lot lots of people who work hard, right? What is it that's driving the fact that you're pushing yourself to your relative limits.
1: Um, as a, there's a there's a couple of things behind that, right? I think it's uh it's for me it's also it's it's a little bit of fear of failure, right? You know, it's uh a lot of people are driven by reward. I think I'm I'm kind of pushed a lot by by fear of 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 not doing as well as I as I can do. You know, it's uh it's that whole can you live can you live with not knowing what could have been, right? Um and so that was uh that was that's that's kind of something that's always been always been driving me i suppose one of the reasons i joined hammertech in the first place was because uh you know it was a bit of, it was a risk at the time but could you really just watch the train go by and not get on it you know you'd you'd always be you'd always be thinking about it so i think definitely for me it's a it's um it's that it's that fear of failure fear of fear of uh, of not taking the opportunity when it's presented to you and is that more of an intrinsic thing the fear of failure or are there some
0: external elements to it
1: um i think the biggest element is uh i think uh it's it's linked to um it's linked to dyslexia and kind of those kind of learning difficulties difficulties and that's something that i uh that's definitely something that i was diagnosed with when i was kind of nine ten so before it was called, cool, before everyone had it um uh, back at, I, I was i was 90s dyslexic so just kind of reading up from that, I think you find a lot of people, and I'm ever so slightly, so I'm not like you know Richard Branson or anything like that, who was like you know couldn't, uh, you know, could barely could barely read or write. Um, but there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of a lot of evidence to show that you know personality traits of of people who do fall into that bracket tend to be more highly motivated. Richard Branson is a really good example, right? I, I think his high school teacher said he was going to be in prison or a or a, or a millionaire, right? That was. There was no other way so i think a lot of um um you know i can put down a lot of that to to just um yeah that 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 experience and just accept that it's 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 a it's a personality trait just based on um just just based on how i am that's really interesting is that
0: is that to do with the barriers that children face being dyslexic and they have to punch above to kick on or is it a focus thing what
1: yeah i mean you know everyone's everyone's dyslexic now so it's a level playing field right i don't know i don't know i don't know anyone's kid who isn't these days um but uh i think for me yeah it's probably the idea of of starting of starting from behind so it's almost like you have uh you know you're in a race and then the starting pistol goes and you're kind of held back for that kind of like um 10 or 20 seconds and just the tension builds up, right? And you've just got all this pent up energy because you're watching people get ahead of you. And I think that's a lot of um, you know, where my motivations have come from. Almost that um that uh that frustration, right, with with being behind and then you just, you know, completely oversteer and before you know it, you're 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 you have a life of sales quotas ahead of you, right?
0: <laughs> so there's a there's a real <laughs> early grounding in resilience building, it sounds like for yourself.
1: Yeah, it could 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 uh could 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 put it like that. But I had every support network as well, right? So I think one of the things you overlook is having that stability and having that environment and the climate, you know, it's, it's compare a family to a to 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 a business for a second. Um, you know, you need the right climate in business to to achieve objectives. You're not going to achieve anything in a in an unstable business environment. And so your home life is 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 very similar. You need a climate to be able to succeed no matter what your no matter what your circumstances. That's something I like i had an abundance had a really good um you know had a really good you know home life growing up in uh growing up in rural england tony blair's britain what a time what a time to be young right it was all going it was all going well for us
0: yeah absolutely um what i was going to ask you is do you do you place too much pressure
1: on yourself um Yes, yeah, that's an interesting question. I think, uh, honestly, I don't think I do. I really don't. Um, but I know that people would probably who know me would say, would say I would say I do. Um, but, you know, I just want to, whether it's pressure, it's just, but it's really just a desire to to succeed, right? For HammerTag, you know, for, um, it's similar in a similar way. It's that whole, you know, let's, let's seize this opportunity. We've got the best safety platform in the, in the world and uh you know if we take it to the world if we've bit of perseverance bit of elbow grease we will become you know 80 well 80 percent of the us market 80 percent of the uk market so you know it's is it is it pressure or is it more it's probably might seem pressure but for me it's really just wanting to seize that opportunity because we're never going to have it'd be very rare to have this opportunity again so we really can't we really can't pass it by so it's probably more motivation. I'd say than than putting pressure on myself in, in in this stage of life. I get the impression whether whether
0: it be Hammertech or if you are playing for United or you are a postman, the pressures you'd be placing on yourself would be would be the same. Um and you'd be still trying to reach the heights. Are there any is there any level where that becomes I don't want to say toxic, but is there any level where it becomes um and becomes a negative impact on
1: yeah, I think I, I think for sure and I think I encountered that already, you know, I um I spent you know, I spent 5 years at Oracle at the start of my career. I think the first year was the hardest for me as a, as a highly motivated BDR coming in and wanting and, and they were Oracle kind of brought in people from all over Europe to the Dublin HQ. So, you know, if you get a job in like uh in London, you might be, you know, competing with, you know, great people, great talent from all over over the UK, for example. But if you're in dub at a European HQ in a software company, they're bringing the best talent from all over Europe, right? And so if you come in in a highly competitive environment, um, you know a whole floor of BDRs hitting the phones, um, you know that. I mean, I I probably oversteered on the competitive front there, and I'm really lucky that I had good mentors and leaders within Oracle at the time to be able to call me out or pull me aside and and really just um, put me back on put me on put me on the right track. So I think it absolutely can become toxic, and yeah, I think I was. Uh, I was uh, a bit of a terror for the first six months of uh, of my of my bdr career right so
0: i'm sure oracle saw the benefits of uh of that terror with the amount of activity you did i'm sure and <clears throat> when you do place such high pressure on yourself high expectations how can you find that you're able to set expectations with with the team knowing that perhaps your own expectations might be higher than what might be deemed acceptable um, in in an organization?
1: Yeah, that's 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 a really that's a really good question. You know, I think for me, I've been able to kind of make my you know make my peace with the fact that you know not everyone's gonna be as motivated. Some people, you know, some people might not see the opportunity of world domination. Some people might be very talented and see a really good job, and there's absolutely nothing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, right? Um, yeah, so I think the actual what I found more challenging is I've got people on my team who are similar to me and are very motivated, very hungry. And obviously when you're playing in a team, sometimes you sometimes you, you have different skill sets and different qualities. So it's really just kind of explaining to to those to people with those traits, hey, not everyone is gonna not everyone not everyone like wakes up angry about like, you know, wanting to wanting to do 200 percent of their number. That's that doesn't make them not able professionals that does it you know but um but they you know different things motivate them and that's and that's fine so it's really just kind of um it's managing people who do have those behaviors and are super motivated that can sometimes be be a bit of a like a skill to learn
0: it goes back to what you said earlier where the the coaching outlook is maybe different as per the environment and the situation what advice could you give to a rep thinking back to your own journey you're coming through oracle as a bdr knowing what you know now um what advice could you give to somebody on that trajectory just starting out now if you could look back at a uh, younger adam
1: um i would say uh you know and one of the things i i kind of realized was um if you like, there's there's so much coach there's so much coaching and feedback out there uh you know absorb it like a sponge. If you have, if you have that opportunity, um, you know, really pick out what the best people do, um, and, and learn from them. And that's, that's a clear, that's a cliche. I get it. But what I'm about to say is probably less conventional. Um, also look at the people who are toxic and problems and learn what they do. And you can learn an awful lot and, you know, come a long way to defining yourself based on what you don't want to be as well. So I think there's a, you know, you can always learn from, you can always learn from, you know, everybody in, in an organization.
0: Nice. How would you define elite and what it means to you?
1: Yeah. So I think, um, you know, elite for me, I I said before, self self self-starter and it's really hard to capture what that, you know, what that means. Um, but I, I, I'll kind of talk about that in a little bit, but I think, um, yeah, being, being a self-starter is really important. I really put a value, for example, on, um, you know, there's, there's, I hate getting emails where people forward me an email and they just ask me what my thoughts are. Right? Like I want to know, like you know, you're not just you're not just throwing an email over the fence. Like you know, come on, you're you're a thinking sentient being. Tell me what you think as well. You know, hey, you know, so what what my best reps do is they're like, hey, we've got this problem. Uh, we're going to need your help. Here's basically the context. Here's a couple of ways I think we might be able to remedy this. Right? That's that for me is a real self starter, and it might be. You know that we go a different way, but I'll always be really grateful for someone who brings a problem and tries to bring a solution. I think that really, you know, epitomises to me what what an elite performer does. And then the other thing that's really important to me is that is that is the uh, is accountability. So, um, you know, I, uh, if I don't really like excuses, um, you know, I what I really love, value is, is extreme ownership. So, you no, know, I've got a I've got a friend of mine who is we um, founded one of the largest mortgage brokerage brokerages in Australia. So you know, hugely, hugely successful. And one of his one of his practices is he will always turn anything in on himself and find something he could have done better. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what the uh you know what no matter what no matter what's happened, the first thing he'll do is be like, right, what could I have actually done better there? Um and I think that's a really good way to look at it, right? Rather than point fingers or, or curse your luck, there's always there's always something. Um and with that as well, so we have self-discipline, so disciplined self-starters um, with a lot of accountability. Uh, and then, for me, you know, underpinning it all is what we spoke about earlier. Like, do you want to be there? You can always spot someone who really has a passion and a drive for sales. Um, and you're never going to be you're never going to be an elite performer if you don't have that kind of up and go to want to get up every day and want to sell and that and that motivation. Whether you want to sell because you want to make a lot of money whether you sell, want to sell because you really believe in in the job you're doing and you think you're making the world a better place um you know that that for me isn't as important as just having the motivation to go and get up in the morning and and do your job as well as you can yeah fantastic have you have you ever found real Elite performers
0: throughout your career so far who managed to be consistently Elite that only had an external goal. And by that I mean they weren't aware that they were they had a fear of failure or or you know a a desire just to do good work you know and they they were quite singular in saying I just want to be I just want to earn X amount of money Have you seen people that have had that approach and managed to be consistent with their elite performance year on year on year?
1: uh yeah, no, I I I have seen that, and I think you know. Like whether your whether your goals are money motivated or career motivated or you know just personal growth, um, you know a goals a goals a goal, and I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with just wanting to, if your goal is to is to is to hit a benchmark of of um, you know a certain a certain level of earnings, it wouldn't preclude me from having anyone on my team who was that way inclined as long as they were. You know, as long as they were willing to do business, you know, the HammerTech way, and you know, being passionate about the product is the only way you 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 make sales here at HammerTech. Is that is the truth of it, right? Um, you know, I think. Uh, having said that, you know, I think that there are there's probably a higher risk of burnout if you are working, if you're if you're working purely for for the you know, for the financial benefit. Then where does it you know where does it end? You know, it's um it if you if you uh just constantly you know because there's always there's always more money out there is the is the problem that's the so i think it's a trap you can so i think it's a trap you can get into you know culturally i see it more as a a thing here in well i'm in canada now but in the united states i see people kind of get on that get 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 kind of sucked into that that system where there's always another truck or there's a there's a you know there's there's a there's a there's a bigger house or there's a shinier rolex or something like that um so i think like you know hey if that's your motivation that's your motivation it's not for me to to, 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 to judge other people. Right. Um, people might think I'm, I'm crazy about, you know, pushing a software application, right. And willing to travel the world for it. That's, that's, that's fine. Um, but I do think like, I find it, I, I would wonder where the fulfillment comes from deep down, you know, intrinsically what, like where that fulfillment comes from. If you're, if you're purely, if you're purely thinking about dollars and cents, but, you know, I could be, you know, I could be wrong. Yeah, me too.
0: And it's absolutely important. Yeah, I think it's a real important part and it's prevalent in, you know, almost everybody who works in the industry. I, I think you're right in terms of the burnout. It's just whether there are certain things that you can't control. You know, your patch all of a sudden shrinks overnight, your commission, um, your commission program changes for the next year and suddenly it's out of your control and that can create some burnout. So um just interesting, yeah, whether whether people think about whether there's something um beneath that is it freedom is it whatever um you know yeah. it's been consistent over the years um lastly we typically want to find out what's the what's the daily routine of an elite performer maybe an interesting one this time somebody who travels so much as a global vp any tips for an ideal day when you're traveling across time zones to uh different regions
1: yeah wow that's a. Uh that's a uh that's a good question for a couple of reasons um because um i've actually just finished a piece an article on my tips for well-being while you travel uh nice. on a on a 14 hour flight from um from melbourne to 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 los angeles so yeah i've got a I've got a, have got a, have got a bunch of tips um I think for me though you know when I when I travel so much the important things are uh you, you've got to keep you keep keeping your energy up and so that involves staying as much in your routine as you can at home um so it's avoiding you know I eat very well I'm, I'm very you know health conscious and 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 diet conscious um when I'm when I'm when I'm at home so I try to take that on the road with me um without being boring so my rule is two of my three meals a day, would have to be something that I would eat and make in my own kitchen. Otherwise, if, you, if you're if you eating on the go three times a day, that catches up with you. So the bargain I make with myself is, okay, you get one meal a day, which you wouldn't have at home. So for, for example, this morning downstairs, we had the breakfast buffet, and I looked at the buffet, I saw the bacon, and I'm in Canada, it's a bacon and maple syrup. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go with the fruit, and you know I'm not gonna have this, I'm not gonna make my cheat meal, because then you've know you played you, play, you, you catch your chip too soon um another big one is is exercise and is, is uh yeah i love to go i try to do a 10 kilometer run in every city that i go to um and so it's i'm cr- gonna do a 10k in vancouver tomorrow around stanley park it's gonna be pretty cold but i'm gonna do it so you know but really important to get out and exercise and if you can do that and combine it with actually sightseeing as well so you don't go back from your trip in a hotel room it's actually very energizing um so yeah, and then one of the things I, I, I love to do when I'm when I'm out and about is is to just um I find just going to a sports event is a really good way of getting to know a city, especially here in the US. There's always something on. We've just seen the back of uh baseball season. We've got the basketball starting and the ice hockey. So uh, I'm probably gonna take in a, a Vancouver Canucks game tomorrow as well. So really nice, yeah, you know, really, really good way to um to get to know to get to know a city. I've got a list of ballparks in the US that um you know that I've, that I've been to. It's good. It's good talking points when you're sitting in a sitting in a meeting room in Ohio, and you feel like an outsider. You can talk about, oh yeah, no, I've been to the, I've been to that stadium. I saw a, a ball game or I saw the Detroit Tigers. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably something I'd, I'd uh, a few, a few, a few, a few tips just off the off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, unreal. And what's the travel plans look like for the remainder of the year?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, we love Q Q4. four. Q four is a lot of fun because we've got. Um, you know, we've got Thanksgiving and we've got Christmas rolled into one quarter. So that means uh um, you know, a lot of compelling events, right? A lot of deadlines that people here in the US have to meet. So uh next week I'm in Atlanta, um, then uh and 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 some other parts of the south, the southeast. Uh then I'm in Las Vegas for Autodesk University, which I'm I'm looking forward to. Uh then I'm heading over to the UK uh to uh to work on to put some put some um put our put our expansion plans into motion there we're going to be hiring uh so i'm super excited about that i'll be there for just over for just over a week um and i haven't thought that far ahead that takes me to for another that takes me that's that's everything for the next 30 days and then uh we'll see what de- we'll see what we'll see what december brings but i'll be back in melbourne uh before christmas to soak in some australian summertime more travel than most do in a year so yeah plenty, you've got uh, plenty on your plate
0: Um, but such is the gig and uh, one you've made a real success of Adam so yeah thank you so much for sharing uh, your story on on uncovering elite performers really appreciate plenty um, to take away and for aspiring reps that might want to learn more about yourself and your journey um, you're happy for them to check you out on LinkedIn and even reach out for advice
1: or or what can't guarantee it's going to be the best advice but I'll always talk so uh, yeah everyone feel free to hit me up Nice one. one. Thanks again, Adam. Cheers, John, John. Thank you.